Okay, so I have some scribbly notes here and there. Not that that is how I do it, but uh, because several, several um, things were catching my attention as we were looking at engaging in this um, conversation around the Word of God together. And so I pray that uh, you will follow. May not be as systematic in terms of A, B, C, D, E. But it certainly ought to make sense. So, so good afternoon. All right, so let's get on with it. Let's get on with it. So, Lord, allow us to speak your word. Amen. Amen. And allow us or enable us by your spirit to understand. So that in comprehending, we can be free in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I have my Bible here on the phone, but I'll try and so we can work within the hour. I'll try and uh, maybe just uh, quote or cite as many scriptures as possible without necessarily having us to take time to read. Um, you can jot that down, and in case any of those was not correct, you can, can tell Pastor he'll send me a warning letter. <laughs> In the meantime, the honors will be on you to find the correct one, isn't it? Because there's certainly one like that that I'm quoting. So I want to kick this off from um, just bring to awareness what is, should be an obvious fact, but just bring to awareness um, the reality that we are at war. All right? We are at war, okay? We are not happy, go luckies, traveling through the days of our lives, you know? Remember those soap operas, days of our lives? Some, some of those guys, some of those guys actually just acted until they died in the set, you know? Just the days of their life for real. Just days of our lives, just passing through time and hoping to God that we will get to some favorable destination. After all, the general theology that many believers embrace is principally that. It's about dodging all the bullets on your days on the earth and making it to heaven, which is a warped theology, which is a wrong concept, holds very little, if any, value as far as the purpose for your existing on the earth is concerned. You are not created to pass time and go to heaven. You are created for a specific mandate, a specific assignment, and it is the execution and fulfillment of that assignment that brings God pleasure. Everything else is a waste of time, waste of resource. If that's how you live, it would have been better if you were born firewood. At least you'd have cooked a meal. <laughs> it's true. And so there is an ongoing contest about the fulfillment of the reason for which you exist on the earth. And the enemy is determined to ensure it never comes to pass. Absolutely determined to ensure it never comes to pass. And you and I ought to be completely dedicated to seeing to its fulfillment. 
because in its fulfillment, we manifest the glory of God. In its fulfillment, we bring him praise. In his fulfillment, we demonstrate ostensibly that he was right about his decision concerning creating you and I. Hello? In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through to 28, um, I told you we'll, you can write it, you can check if it's, if it's accurate. But in Genesis 1, 26, 28, the Lord says, let us make man in our image, you know, after our likeness, or in our image, in our likeness, and let them have dominion on the earth. Pretty much that. So let's make man in our image, in our likeness, after our likeness, and then let him have dominion on the earth. So man was created to have dominion on the earth. But the whole concept of dominion is warped if the original intention for the creation of man is unknown. Because dominion, as it is, a word isolated from the existence of the pl plan and purposes of God would simply mean what? Be a dictator, right? <laughs> Be a terror to the earth. Be an autocratic leader. Have complete control of everything and do as you please. If you do not put that within its context, which is there is a reason for the creation of this man. And the mandate to exercise dominion is framed within the context of the reason for his creation. And so Genesis chapter 1 Verse 26, let us make man in our image after our likeness. It's not the beginning of the story. It's actually midway in the story. The real story is what was it that was motivating him to say what he said in verse 26 through 28. And Ephesians chapter 1 gives us the backstory. So when you go to Ephesians 1, you begin to read and you see the backstory. And Ephesians begins to speak of things that were done before the foundation of the earth was laid. He said, before the foundation of the earth, he chose us. He predestinated us for adoption as sons. So before the foundations of the earth were laid, two incidences in scripture that make reference to before the foundation of the earth. This is one of them. The other one is about the offering of the lamb before the foundation of the earth. So before the foundation of the earth, he chose us and he predestinated us to be. Predestinated us to be adopted as his sons. So that tells you a higher reason than the verse 26 of Genesis 1. Because the Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 is the execution of of the plan. What's the plan? I am creating a son. So the whole concept of dominion is framed within the context of sonship. Hello? Are we together? And so in Ephesians 1, he says, maybe we should read that. You know, sometimes it's good to read at least one. So that... Uh, Guys who are normally asked when they arrive home, they can dish out this one. Right? 
Now it wasn't in my notes, so give me a moment, let me find it. Mm, Ephesians, pardon? Five. Yeah, so, okay, so, yeah, beautiful. Verse three, thank you. Let's read from verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Take note even how Paul starts his, his, this verse with serious jubilation, a celebration of the realization of the hidden purpose. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, two titles that best describe God. Everything else falls short. He is God and his Father. Because fatherhood is in his ultimate intended purpose right before the beginning. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world. Paul reveals that there was actually a choice that had to be made. There cannot be a choice if the option is one. A choice requires more than one option. Okay? Hello? So when you hear the bride and the groom saying, I chose you, where? Amongst possible many. (laughs) Chosen us before the foundation of the world. So he made a choice. What was the choice? He made a distinction. Uh, he he, He made a choice between at least, there must be at least two. And in this case, we understand, yes, there are two. Scripture interprets scripture. If I take you from here and I take you to Hebrews, the second chapter, you will see God making the choice. He says, and to none of the angels has he ever said, come and sit here as my son. No, no, no. But the son. And in Hebrews, he's speaking of the corporate man, Christ, which is where we are all incorporated. Sorry. That's Colossians again, where we all in Christ. So he says, He chose us before the foundation of the world. Chose us before the foundation of the world. He made a distinctive choice. I've taught before in Mount Zion. And I said in making that choice, God decided not to make angels sons. Believe the angels are servants. And decided to create an inferior being to the angels and elevate it to sonship. Because in so doing, he demonstrated his nature, which is love. Angels were the obvious choice. They beheld the face of God. They obey everything he says. No, but he bypassed them. And in bypassing them, he opted, I will go form from the clay, the ground, and raise me a creature. And though it is inferior, though it is less, Psalms chapter 8, he has made us a little lower than the angels. All right? So many theologians struggling with that and trying to correct it. You know, make it fit something else. No, it doesn't mean angels. It means a a heavenly being. It means angels. It means angels. In the created order, man is less. He's an inferior being. He has less capacities. He has weaknesses. But by choice, by appointment, he raises the man to be above them. He sets the man to be a son. By making the, son, the, the man a son, the angels remain servants. They must, they're obligated to offer service to the man. Which is the essence of the rebellion. 
right? It made no sense. As far as Lucifer was concerned, the old man had lost it. How can he do this? Yeah, so he rebelled. And in rebelling, listen, he didn't go door to door tempting the other angels. It made sense to them too. I gave you an illustration in Zion when I'm teaching this some time back. And I said when a person bequests his wealth to a cat and bypasses his children, straight away the children plot how to kill the cat. Sundio? Yeah, because what orders are we going to take from this cat? And so that is the essence of the hatred, the venomous hatred Satan has for you. There's nothing you did to him. What did you do to him? For heaven's sake, some of you. Have you met him? <laughs> so what did you do to him? But he hates you with a perfect hatred. He hates you passionately. He hates you venomously. Because in being bypassed, you are elevated and made, you are made a master to him. And he's out to prove that the choice was wrong. That's what he's out to do. He's out to prove that the choice was wrong. One more step. He hates you passionately and is determined to prove that it was a wrong choice. Hello? And one of the ways of proving it is to make sure you frustrate God as far as your purpose for creation is concerned. Okay? Now, he's a wicked enemy. And he enjoys enslaving people. Okay? John 10.10, 10, so you can note that down. He said the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. No, he does not come to destroy. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Progressively torture his victim. And make it painful. Are you with me? If you just came and destroyed, that's easy. They are gone. That's why you read in scriptures incidences like, and the woman that bled for 12 years. He enjoyed every moment of it. And the woman who was bowed down, carved for 18 years, bound. Jesus said, ought not the daughter, this daughter of Abraham that is bound be loosed. He bound for, 12, for 18 years. Or the man that was howling in the graves at night, walking naked. He loves it. He loves it. He loves to put on display the ultimate distortion of this man to smear it on God's face that you are wrong. Okay? But he also succeeds because a great percentage of us live as if there is no enemy. <laughs> great percentage of us live as if we are here for the days of our lives. Spend them and go. Steal, kill, and destroy. Venomous hatred. Distort the very image and likeness of God. Take you far, far, far away from the very intention of God for your life as an indication that it was not right to elevate you to sonship. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Chosen us to be holy 
and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. General reading of the English word adoption triggers images in your mind of some orphan, some destitute, some person that is unfortunate, and then you come and help that person. No, that's not the concept here. Adoption, as was used very correctly within Greek literature, is to position one to be heir. Position to be heir. Okay? Position one to be heir. That is really adoption. Not, not have pity on some pitiful thing. No, position to be heir. So he had chosen, he's determined, adopted us to be his sons. In other words, he has raised us to be his heirs. And it doesn't stop here. Several other scriptures that can confirm the same to you. That his intention was to make us heirs and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Hello? Now, the devil is no fool. Okay? If you've heard people tell you, Nimjinga, Nimjinga, just understand that that is the devil speaking through them. <laughs> He's no fool. He's an intelligent being, he was created intelligent. Okay? Intelligent being. He was created intelligent. And so, although God chose by his purpose, by his own divine ordination, to raise man to be his son, does not mean God had to make them stupid to accept. <laughs> no, they're intelligent beings. They were created intelligent. I mean, do you marvel at the intelligence of man, even the fallen man? Do you marvel? Excuse me? Do you marvel at the, you know, I can't see some of your faces very well because there's reflections from the cars coming this way. So I don't know if you're sleeping, so conf just speak to me so I know you're there. <laughs> and if you're sleeping, just tell me, I'm sleeping. <laughs> Do you marvel at the intelligence of man? Even the fallen man, the things that the fallen man can do? Psalms 8, created lower than the angels. So think twice. It's not stupid. Very brilliant. They were created intelligent because they were created to serve the living God. All right? So their fall did not take that away from them. It did not. Ah, Vincent, you're glorifying the devil. I'm not glorifying the devil. I'm enlightening you so that you don't underestimate the enemy. Don't you see... Ephesians 6, okay, so we'll jump into that third step. Let's go there. So in, in Ephesians 6, we can see that scripture, Paul is writing and says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, right? But against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high or heavenly places, a structured, organized government. He's not stupid. Not stupid. Okay? Are you, is this on? So I take care of what I say. Yeah? <laughs> it's not stupid. So you hear Christians say, the devil was in my room last night. And another one is saying at the same time, the devil was in their room across the world. 
it's not the devil. He can't be. He's not omnipresent. He's just smart. He has created a government machinery that works and gives proper representation to himself everywhere. Or have you not read in scripture that your enemy masquerades himself as the angel of light? He's sharp. He does. He's not black with a tail and a horn. He's not. He does not show up like that. Even he knows people would reject him. So he's smart. So let's, let's take a step further. So in Ephesians 6, he says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Let's start there. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Maybe the first thing is to say, are you aware you're in a wrestling match? Are you aware we are at war? Are you aware? Do you know there's a war? Listen, if you don't know or you're not conscious of it, you're already a victim. We count you among the corpses. Fatalities. It's, you are a fatality. You are a gone case. I'm sorry. He's gone. You are actually you're still here because he needs you. He wants you to be there. Hello? Come on. Am I saying the truth? How many of you watch war movies? Huh? War movies. You've watched some at least somewhere. With some sniper somewhere. Huh? Have you ever seen a scene, a scene in the movie where the sniper has a clear shot, but he won't take it? Just intentionally. I won't take this one because if I bring this one down, it will cause all those ones to be aware that I'm here. So what I'll do is I'll wait for all of them to congregate there around the gas tank. Then I take the gas tank and take all of them. So what's the case with this first victim? You are alive because he has spared you for his strategy. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. Well, many believers are having the days of their lives, trotting the earth, marching from birth to death, hoping to get to heaven, and that's it. No. And I tell you, many are alive because he still needs them in his strategy, or the mercy of God has kept them. Because the enemy would, can't take them out. Why? Because they are oblivious of an ongoing warfare. <laughs> the last time I shared with this congregation about what I'm about to touch on, he wanted to kill me. And I'm okay. Because if you're not a victim, you're a threat. Okay? When the sons of Sceva were going to cast out a devil, okay? Sons of Sceva, okay? You know sons of Sceva were the sons of a priest, eh? Sceva was a priest. Sons of Sceva were going to cast out a devil. And they did their thing. Then they were beaten, wounded, and sent out naked. <laughs> the demon said, Jesus I know, Paul I know. Because they have discussions about these characters. That's why they were all aware. They're aware. They're aware. Look, that demon that the sons of Sceva were trying to deal with is not the same demon that was in the little girl who was following Paul and Silas said, these are the servants of the Most High God. Hear ye them. Huh? They're aware. Information has been circulated. 
Guys, we are under attack. There is one Paul, we thought we had him for our purpose. Things turned around. He's dangerous. Approach with caution. <laughs> hmm? Some names they name, they say, who's that? Take it out. <laughs> so in Ephesians 6, he says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now, I'm coming from your enemy is brilliant. So your enemy is a tactical enemy. In fact, there's a beautiful word. Um, uh, in, in, in the Pauline epistles, I think it's Corinthians, or I think so. He says, for we are not ignorant of the schemes of the enemy. Do you know what a scheme is? Do you know what a scheme is? It's an intelligently calculated ploy to take you out by taking advantage of your blindness. Very intelligently calculated ploy to take you out by taking advantage of your blindness. Which means what? First, it's intelligently crafted. Secondly, the enemy has understood you to know where your blind spots are. And then the trap is set to take advantage of that. That's a scheme. For we are not ignorant of the schemes of the enemy. Oh, that scripture is not a blanket scripture. Not everybody is not ignorant. Some people are very ignorant of the schemes of the enemy. Very ignorant. So he's brilliant. He's calculating. He's scheming. And then Paul writes us in 6th chapter of Ephesians, says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. What is Paul unearthing? What is he opening up? Some of the ploys or schemes of the enemy. What's one of them? Flesh and blood warfare. Hmm? Flesh, Gabby, let me use Gabby, my son. Dolly snatched David, so I'm left with Gabby. And we've left them shalom. So we're okay. Huh? Flesh and blood warfare. What's the problem of, of your country? It is Kikuyus, it is Luos, it is Kalenjins, and you're sucked into it, and you're in flesh and blood warfare. Allow me to say it this way, nicely. You are stupid. <laughs> but it's not happening circumstantially. It's calculated. Hmm? Or you hold gatherings to pray against LGBTQ. I. Some circles, they call them the alphabets. <laughs> In some circles, they call them the alphabet people. That's not your warfare. Why are you preoccupied with rubbish? That's not your warfare. You know me, Zion guys, Zion, you know me and my position with news and consumption of news. Eh? Yeah. Oh, you're busy engaged in election results, election. He's intelligent, so that's a decoy right there. Paul starts by saying, for we wrestle, not against flesh and blood. What is Paul saying? Anything that is flesh and has blood, remove it from your radar. It is not part of the warfare. So if you do that, what are you left with? <laughs> what are you left with? Some of you need to start canceling your prayer points. Cancel, cancel. Don't pray about this anymore. Don't pray about this anymore. Don't pray about this. Don't pray about this. Don't pray about this. Anything that is flesh and has blood is not your enemy. Yeah. 
Anything that is flesh and has blood is not your enemy. Anything that has flesh and has blood is not your enemy. So you are engaging to pull it down, to destroy it, to do what is a waste of time. We'll never receive the backing of heaven. Never. I pray for all the LGBTQI to Z to die. You're wasting time. Wasting time. They are not your enemy. It's not the warfare. It's a decoy. It's a smoke screen. It's got you occupied while you're missing what exactly he is doing. Hmm? Hello? I don't watch much movies. Not because something is wrong with movies. I very little time trying to do a few things here and there. But I enjoyed watching those sniper movies. You know, not Rambo. Rambo is not a sniper. <laughs> Rambo is a macho man. Eh? So one man with two guns killing all armies. No matter how many bullets the people fire, they just never get him, you know? Except scratch here, so that he can tie that band and look more dangerous. Now, nah, stop it. There's a film about um, um, Russia-German war. So this was based on true story and how they used snipers in that war or in that fight. And an entire, I mean, a war between two nations filter down to a fight between two snipers. Something gates, something at the gates. Is it enemy at the gates or something? Two snipers, two. And come and see how intelligently they calculate to take each other out. And one of the tactics you would see there is, because they are so alert, is to set up something that makes it appear like, you know, the guy is on the other side when he's actually on a different side. You know, like leave your kofia with a kagan there and look like you're hiding and you're not even there and things like that. Anything that is flesh and has blood is a decoy. It's not your warfare. It's not your warfare. In fact, to find yourself fighting it is in itself a testimony that you have no idea what the war is about. And you are most likely, most likely, most likely, going to be a generator of, you know, victims of friendly fires. You will sh soon shoot your own. <laughs> okay? You will. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Against principalities. Principalities, powers, rulers, of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. So, indicating to us that it's an organized machinery we're going up against. So, let me put, let me show you how the odds are against you. You're going against beings that are very intelligent and they have an organized system. It's a government. Okay? It's a government. 
So intelligent beings properly organized into a government. How do you take that down? How do you prevail over that? Hmm? There are many things in there, but we'll find some other times to, to engage in that. Right now, let me take you back to Genesis, the second chapter. In the second chapter of Genesis, 15th verse, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Take note, the choice has been made. The plan has been implemented. The man now exists. This creature that you are seeing being put in the garden of Eden is designed to be the son of God. Right? Hello? Is it getting hot? And the Lord God, verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree in the garden... Thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Thou shalt surely die. Okay, good. Thou shalt surely die. So God creates this man. I've told you, it's a lesser order of a being. As appointed in the demonstration or in the open display of his love, He's testing his love. <laughs> Picks the inferior being and adopts that being to be his son. So Adam was the son of God. All right? That can be corroborated. Luke chapter 3. Look at Luke chapter 3, the last verse. He's speaking about these generations of man. And when he comes to Adam, he says, And Adam, the son of God. So he's implemented what we see Paul uh, openly demonstrating. Oh, oh, it's up there. Okay, so he's implemented what Paul uh, uh, uncovered in uh, the mysteries that were revealed to him in the book of Ephesians. And so we have in the Garden of Eden a man who is the son of God, right? And then he gives him an instruction, he says, every tree you may eat but this one, don't eat it. Okay? Hello? Now, at the point of making the choice... The enemy now rebelled, isn't it? So immediately after God has given this instruction, the third chapter, what happens? The enemy walks in. Has God said? Right? Has God, has God said? Come on, people, help me. Has God said? Has God said? That's the third chapter of Genesis um, but it opens with a beautiful verse, maybe. Should we read it? Oh, you go there. Ah, beautiful. Now the serpent was more? Now the serpent was more? Schemes. Intelligent, right? <laughs> Hello? People read this verse and they kill snakes everywhere. This is not about snakes. <laughs> Anything that has flesh and blood is not your enemy. <laughs> Hello? If... Eh? It's true. If it has flesh and blood, it's not your enemy. The devil is not a snake. <laughs> he opens a verse by telling you, you're dealing with a subtle enemy, a schemer, 
more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had created. So the schema is conniving, is calculating. So he has sat at the edge of this garden, studied and studied and studied, and now he's hatching a plan. So he's rolling out a scheme. And what was a scheme? An intelligently devised plan that takes advantage of your blindness. He's figured. He's been watching. He's been studying. And now he's ready to spring it up. We don't know from scriptural account how long Adam and Eve had been in the garden. Could have been many years. But now Satan is up to his, up to his game. He said to the woman, yea, even chose not to say it to man. It's scheming, guys. They're, they're a couple. They're both here. But he chose to go after Eve. Has God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And he twists it. The conversation did not even start by Eve. It's not Eve who saw, he, who saw this being passing by and said, shh, shh. Come, I tell you something. God told us. No, no. He's the one. But he even starts this conversation as if they've been having a long chat with Eve. As God said, ah. Oh. And in it, we can use this, we can use different scriptures. We can jump to, from here or we can go to, to Luke, the fourth chapter, uh, no, look the third chapter, John the fourth chapter. We can, we, the temptations in the wilderness, we can find it's just the same game. Has God said? Has God said? Has God said? So what's his first ploy? What's his first action? Is to challenge what God said. Why is he challenging what God said? Why is it challenging what God said? Hmm? Because in the 8th chapter of Deuteronomy, you learn that man actually lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We also know that man, as a son of God, enjoys delegated authority from God, which holds true for as long as he is in the plan, purpose of God. I mean, implementing what God wants. Ah, have I bored you enough? Hello? Are we good? Hello? Has God said? So these are not days of your life. Life starts with what has he said? Which goes back to what I told you at the initial, in, uh, I mean, uh, the entry point of our conversation here. I said, you are here for an assignment. You're here for a purpose. You're here for the fulfillment of a particular divine demand. When that one is not being pursued, everything else is a waste of time. Has God said? Hmm? When, the, when the scriptures, we, we read in scriptures, Jesus being baptized, and then he goes straight to the wilderness. He not goes, he's taken, led by the Spirit of God to the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And what was the declaration at the point of baptism? What did God say? Matthew 3, look for what did God say at the baptism of Jesus? Hmm? This 
is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And then the devil comes and says, if you are the son. This is the son. Are you the son? This is my son. Are you really his son? So he first begins by challenging. Now I'm, I'm going into what are his tactics. What's the scheme like? He begins by challenging the word of God because he needs, if he can get you to stand on anything else, you do not have the authority of the kingdom of God upon you. Right? Then the next thing he says, stick here. Ah, ah, okay. Stick in, stick in Genesis. I didn't want to do much reading. But stick in, oh, it's you, Brian. Huh? Okay, so. Now the serpent was most at okay, okay, okay. And he said unto the woman, Yeah, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The next verse. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. Would to God that she stopped there and said, Bye! <laughs> what does he say next? But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the... Actually, she should not have even said that. When he says she should have said none of your business from the word go. No, but she didn't say none of your business. Um, I mean, I've had people ask me, ay, 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 why didn't God just, what was the point of having the devil around this place coming here and everything? Maybe we will, we will find another time to look at that when we, today I'm talking about the work of the devil. The next time I'll talk about the work of God. <laughs> It's true. I'm not making that up. No, I'm, I'm talking about how the enemy works. Then I'm going to show you how God works um, the next time. Is that 16th, isn't it? 16th, sir. Yes. I have to remind myself so I don't find myself in the wrong place. So, but of the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it. That was enough. But something else happens here. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. Where did this touch thing come from? I'm sure God didn't say it. Where did it come from? What's going on here? These are now the products of sitting at the fence and studying this creature. He knew what he was taunting. He knew what he was going after. Hmm? He knew. Man, let's read it all and then we bring them out. The next verse. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. Shall not. Wongo. Mungu ni mwongo. Wanasfie? Mungu ni mwongo. Shall not die. Shall not. Shall not die. And what does he say? For God knows. God doth know. God doth nimingi. God doth know. That in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. You shall not die. 
shall not die. Instead, this is what's going to happen to you. Your eyes are going to be opened. So at the point of this conversation, at the point of this conversation, here it is. Can the woman see the fruit? Talk to me. Yes. How is she seeing the fruit? Come on, talk to me. How is she seeing the fruit? With her eyes. But which eyes? The natural eyes. So her natural eyes can see. So there's nothing being opened about the natural eyes. Okay? But there was a point where God gave the instruction, and we also understand, second chapter of Genesis, that God came in the cool of the evening and would speak to them. So they saw God. How did they see him? So their spiritual eyes were opened. So they could see God, spiritual eyes. They could see the garden and the fruits and everything, natural eyes, physical eyes. So God created them this way. But there was one eye left shut. That's the eye of the soul. So that the soul can be blind, blindly following the leading of the spirit. Are you with me? This is what this dude sat at the edge and studied and studied and studied and figured. If I can just get that soul eye open, I've dealt with God. And he goaded, he touched on that. Tempting or touching on, basically questioning her intelligence to draw her in to engage from a soul level. And she did. And once she did, it's a roller coaster. Let me tell you what you don't know. Let me tell you what you don't know. God knows the moment you eat this, your eyes will be open. You will be like God. So three things we can see here. The first one was a decoy, isn't it? There has to be a decoy. I told you flesh and blood is not your enemy, right? So how did he show up? Snake. Snake, snake, snake is not the issue. It's what behind the snake. Decoy. But then the next thing he does is what? He draws her to open the eyes of her soul. And they were opened here. They were opened. When they opened, certain things changed. Let's see. Let's assume, let's just make an assumption that an hour before Satan came, God was around. And he had been chatting with them and speaking to them. Spiritual eyes are open. They can see God. Their physical eyes are open so they can make sense of the physical world they're in. Why are their physical eyes open? Because God designed them to have dominion here in a physical world. So they had to make sense of it. Hello? Hi? Are you feeling the heat? No. Oh. I was just drawing your attention to the fact that I've seen this nice thing. But still, can you feel that the temperatures are higher than they were in the morning? Do you know spirits don't feel that? So you won't catch some spirit carrying an umbrella because it's raining. <laughs> or shading, sitting under a tree to keep warm, to keep cool rather from, from the heat. Or stepping out to, enjoy, to bask in the sun. Spirit beings cannot make sense of this physical space. So you had to give this man ability to relate with the physical world. So his physical eyes were opened as his spiritual eyes were opened. Now, but he shut his solical eyes, left them blind. 
Hello? Have you read the letter to, who are those? Are those Laodiceans? Revelations? You can check. Revelation. Um, in one of the letters to, to the churches, he says, because you say you see, you are blind. Because you think you are clothed, you are naked. Because you think you are rich, you are poor. Then he says, come and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. But what is eye salve? What is eye salve? Eye salve was like a concussion made like clay, something molded like clay. And when it was put in the eyes, it shut them properly as a, as a med medicinal thing. Yeah. So he's basically inviting them to shut their solical eyes so that they can see. Ah. So first decoy. Then the second thing he does is, he told them you'll be like gods, eh? You'll be like? And he said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. So how are they made? Hello? How are they made? They were made in the image and likeness of God. So were they like God? They were absolutely like God. In fact... In his intended purpose, Hebrews 2 reveals this, that through the Son, the Father may be expressly revealed. So he wanted himself revealed through the Son that he was creating. So when people look at the Son, they see the Father. Jesus came back and demonstrated that. And so they were made in the image and likeness of God. How much more like God can you be? But that's what he's offering. Why is he offering that? Because in his schemes, he gets you to try and get in your own power what has been freely given to you. Always. If you are the son of God, make these stones to be bread. If you are. So if Jesus did it, what was he doing? He was proving that he is. But he did not need to prove that he is because he was. But how do you fall into that pit? When the soul can see. When the soul can see. Okay? So, Sahelo na imbanga, open the eyes of my heart. Jua ni sayemugani unataka efunguli. I'll touch on that briefly. The last point here on this one. The ultimate intention of the schemes of the enemy, the ultimate intention, is not just to get the eyes opened, but to actually thrust the man, thrust the person to actually live from the soul, which automatically results in a detachment from God. Let me explain. Hello? Let me explain. When the faculties of the soul take lead in a man, it is impossible for that man to follow the leadings of the spirit because domiciled in the soul is a logic, reasoning, and the spirit never makes sense. <laughs> Hello? 
Domiciled in the soul is the reasonings and the human intelligence. And the counsel or direction of the spirit never makes sense. So it is impossible. He knows it. He knows it. He has sat. Studying. He has sat. He has studied. He can see that for this man to fulfill the plan and purpose of God, which is for this man to demonstrate or to put on display the glory of God, the Lord has to speak. Whether in the cool of the evening or the morning, it doesn't matter. The Lord has to speak because he is the originator of the intention behind the creation of this man. The spirit eyes are open. They can see and can hear from God. When they do, they appropriate that as instruction to be implemented on the earth through the body. But he has observed that in the way this, this guy has been created, the soul's eyes are shut. He knows if I can open that, there'll be discordance. Right here, there'll be discordance. Then we break the chain, then make it difficult for this man to implement the instruction of God. I want to say again, make it difficult for this man to follow the instruction of God. Let me repeat. It's not that the man can't hear God. It's that the man can't obey. I want to tell you something. If you ever had anybody tell you, I have challenges hearing God. They're lying. And I've told you many times, the easiest proof you have that you don't have challenges hearing God is that when you were a non-believer, you heard him call you. You heard him. You heard him. The Bible tells us the Spirit of God convicted you of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. But in convicting you, you heard him. That's why you came crying and knelt down and cried and got born again gloriously. Even if you are drunk. <laughs> you heard him. You heard him. He says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow. He did say my sheep are guessing. They hear my voice and they follow. Then he goes on ahead and says, there are other sheep who are mine. They are not here. They are outside. But they also hear and they come. So don't tell me you can't hear him. It's a lie. If the man possessed by legion, 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 you what has possessed you? A butterfly. Legion. The Bible does not tell you that Jesus landed at the shores and chased the man down. No, the man came, knelt down while still possessed, and worshipped while still possessed. What's wrong with you? Can't hear God. No, it's Satan playing with your head. You can hear him. The problem is you don't want to hear that kind of thing because you don't like the logic of it. Haven't you seen that it is characteristic of God to demand of you things when it is most inconvenient? Hmm? Haven't you seen that it, is, seems, it seems to be characteristic of God to demand of you things when it is most inconvenient? You went to bed at 11. It took you, it was a cold night. It took you one hour to warm that blanket. By different means, God have mercy. <laughs> but the blanket got warm. You snuggled and held it tight. And now you're just snoozing. Snoozing. 
You've been there two hours. You see a dream. And in the dream, the Lord is saying, come, my child. Come, let's fellowship. God, I was just sitting there watching a movie from 8 to 11. You should have told me I would have switched the movie and prayed. No. Hmm? Hello? The day you heard him most clearly about amount you're supposed to give is the day it was the only amount in your pocket. It was the only amount between you, as they say, between you and poverty. That's the day you had him. The other day you had ten times that figure. You didn't hear a thing. It was you who decided. But now you can hear him. In fact, even the clouds are forming the shape of that number. What sense is there in instructions like love your enemies? What sense is there? It's not sensible. It's not sensible. The disciples of Jesus brought to him a question of when they have a teeth between a brother and another. And then he said, no, you forgive your brother. When he comes to his sins again, you forgive again. Hi. This guy is just, he looked at this thing and wasn't adding up. So Peter, you know, Peter is a vocal guy who saves the rest. Because the rest think it, they don't say it. But Peter says it. So Peter just found this convenient moment. I said, Lord, how many times? <laughs> then Jesus said, uh, 70 times 7. Okay? That turns to 490, right? That comes to 490. He wasn't really implying 490. He simply meant... Because if you forgave them the first time, when he does it again, it's the first time. So you'll never reach your 490. <laughs> so it's okay, it's okay. It's okay, it's okay. When he told them that, Peter said, Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> that kind needs increase of faith. It's not easy. But you see, it's not logical. It's not logical. It's not logical. And so what's the enemy's intent? To thrust you to come to a place where you wholly live by your soul. Totally live by your soul. You live governed by your soul. Now I know when I'm saying it here, it sounds like, ah, me, I can't get to that. I to live by, I to live by the soul. I can't, I can't, I can't imagine myself living by the soul. It's a scheme, and the enemy in question is intelligent. So he's calculated this, worked it out. And unfortunately for you and I, he has now over 6,000 years of studying. <laughs> fully aware of how man operates. Another reason he's fully aware is not just because of intelligence, because he was created to serve that being, so he understands that being. Are you with me? So, fully aware. So what has he done? He's put together his scheme, and I want to bring it to a close about here. He's put together his scheme. He's weaved it nicely. Ah, there it is. Hmm? Sorry? Okay, we'll just finalize this. So he's put it together, he's schemed, he's calculated.
my spirit is sweating. <laughs> no, it's my body. Don't take that seriously. So it's weaved it together. Because now collective understanding of how this human being works is weaved together and made his schemes, you know, weave them together into a system. Are you with me? Okay? It's a system now. What's the intention behind the system? To thrust the man to live or to exist by the soul. Okay? Not just opening his eyes, but draw him to a place where he deduces, he concludes, he thinks, he processes governed by the soul. Brian, the next verse. Um, and when the woman saw, look at what's pro, how is she processing this? How is she processing this? This fruit didn't just appear. It's not the first time she's interacting with this fruit. But she has never made these conclusions, ever. But here she starts. Why? Because the eyes were opened. The soul eyes. When the woman saw that the tree was good, didn't God say it will kill you? No, it's good. The tree was good for food. And that it was pleasant to the eyes. Pleasant to the eyes. What does a tree look like? Pleasant to the eyes. It's like she's describing her husband. <laughs> the tree was good for food. Pleasant to the eyes. And a tree, a tree to be desired to make one wise. Living now governed by her soul. It's no longer a spiritual experience. There's no input of the spirit here now. The soul has full control. What does she do? She takes it and gives to her husband who was with her also. Hello? So the enemy has, over time, studying and understanding human existence, weaved together this system so that it can trigger man to prefer to live by the soul and not the spirit. And any time he's done that, or any time he does that, he's won. That battle's over. That battle is over. Okay? We've seen them, um, there used to be this thing, they say, walk in, walk out, wipe out. Walk in, walk out, wipe out. Walk in, walk out, walk in, walk out, wipe out, wipe out, wipe out. They say this roach, when it enters this little trap and gets to eat food, it's not just what it ate. The poison sticks on it, then it goes back to their den. And when it goes, it now kills the rest. <laughs> huh? So he knows. So that's how to tactfully fight. Hmm? Hello? <laughs> That's how to tactfully fight. And I want you to look at the war in the scale that it really is. It's war with the entire body of Christ. Okay? Wouldn't you be, wouldn't you be powerful? Uh, <laughs> let me not point anybody. Let me point this. <laughs> wouldn't it be powerful if you are the devil? Whole array of pastors who are governed by the soul. Yeah. Wouldn't it be effective? 
Imagine Vincent now, fully governed by the soul, and here I am, entertaining you, <laughs> taking you for this ride, and doing what? Reproducing myself in you. I said we're at war. Yeah? Actual warfare that we have is between the, the church that is truly emerging versus the church that exists. Hello. Get them to live totally by the soul. Which in another way of defining is get them to be independent from God. Hmm? Get them to be independent from God. Because in the cool of the evening, the Lord came and he spoke to Adam. And what he spoke, Adam implemented. That way, it's consistent with Matthew 6.10, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the will of God was emanating from the throne of God through the heart of man and being executed on the earth. So that heaven and earth were in sync. Yeah? They were in sync. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? I've taught you in Zion. As it is in heaven, Greek word hos, meaning what? Same time, same frequency, same intensity. So heaven and earth are merged, synced. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's his intention. Why? Because then his glory can be made manifest on the earth. Then, uh, then God can do his work through you. But every time the soul sets in, no, some, 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 the soul just chungulias. It's, it's not really in control, but it chungulias. Huh? Chungulias. If it be you, Lord, then bid me to come. And what did Peter do? Stepped on water and walked on water. Then he saw the wave boisterous. Well, the wave was always there. But in this moment, right here, he inclined himself. because He dared God, give me a word. And God gave him a word. And he jumped on the word. And he walked on water. It's not logical. Then he realized what he was doing. I am walking on water. Mayday, mayday, mayday. I'm walking on water. Sunk. Jesus rescued him. What did Jesus tell him? Why did you doubt? What am I trying to say? Okay, so here are two things carry with you. One, every time the soul sees, you doubt. And number two, every time the soul sees, you die. They are both in scripture. For in the day you eat of this fruit, you will die. So when the soul's eyes are opened, synonymous to dying. But the second thing is, every time the soul is seeing, you doubt. Hello? And so, in the intention of the enemy is to thrust the man to live holy by the soul. And how he does that is that he is weaved together a system, which we call the world system. Right? Which we call a world system. So that using the world system... He has automated processes 
with which man, automated processes with which man readily, or rather processes that appeal to the soul of man and draw him to live independent of God. Now, this, this is not news to you because we've shared on that before. <clears throat> and um, it was my, that was my celebration, Pasi. I was celebrating, uh, just letting the enemy know I'm preaching it again. <laughs> I'm saying it again. That his intention is weave together a system that readily appeals to your soul and draws you almost unconsciously to incline to live independent of God. Independent of God. And how can you tell that the system is in operation? I taught you and I say it again. One, when you're obsessed with self-preservation, and self-provision. Take note, I said obsessed because it has become our lust. It's taken you over. You, and, and how can, it's, those, it's scripture will also call it lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. Lust of the flesh, what's lust of the flesh? An easy way for you to understand it is, is the what? It's the question of what? What can be done? What can be done? What can be done? What can be done? Hmm? What can be done? Okay, what can be done? Jesus, this is a desert place, these people are hungry. They are going to faint. What can be done? Send them home. Do you remember? Right? Send them home. What's the spiritual logic? Sit them down. No, 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 no. They, they follow through uh, Bonafilip calculations. Salary of two years plus cannot feed these people. And besides, even if you had the money, where's the bread? Which bakery is baking for 5,000 people? What does he say? What do you have? What do you have? What do you have? Just, just, just a little boy's lunch. Five loaves, two fish. Little boy's lunch. That boy was not roughed on. So his food was not. <laughs> right? The boy was something like, like Israel. Huh? Can you imagine Maggie packing for Israel? That, that uh, one kilogram bread, five of them, <laughs> at an end of picnic. <laughs> I just, you should, regular meal. Regular meal. I, I, can I, please, bear with me. I didn't intend to do this, but I'll close with this one. Bear with me. I'm going to show you just two scriptures. Then we, I've even closed the, the sketch pad. <laughs> so anything I'm saying from now, I'm not responsible for it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, uh, just, I need to say this. It's important. It's where we will close. It's where we will close. But so the, the meal is just a little boy's meal. And Jesus asked them, what do you have? And what did they say? Just this. And he said, bring that. Make them sit down. I can tell you, you know, you read it, read it easily. But I tell you that the disciples must have been shaking in their knees as they are telling these people to sit. Because you're creating an expectation. Yes. Sit, sit. I'm sure someone asked them, <laughs> we want to serve food. <laughs> and neither, neither, neither did he send them with a mountain of bread. 
When he took it, he broke it. And then he gave it to them to give it to them. So people went with just Kidogo. It didn't turn to a mountain. There would have been a stampede. Just Kidogo. But what happened? As they went and distributed, it just never ran out. Can, can we have scriptures to confirm this? Of course, there are many scriptures to confirm this. The cruise of oil did not become a drum of oil. It was just a cruise. The, 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 the bottle of oil, the cruise of flour, they didn't it's just that as you poured out of that bottle, it simply just didn't run out. It filled drum after drum after drum, but it was there. So they went out and fed. And I'm sure as they walked to some groups, people looked at them and said, What are you doing? But as they gave it, it just didn't run out. And in the end, they collected 12 fragments. I want to show you something from that scripture, and then we can close. Let's go there. I think it's Mark. I think Mark. Um, I know it's in other Gospels, but I think I want the Mark one. I want to look at why did he do this, and then from there, we can close Mark. Brian, you got it? You're looking for it? Okay. Um, where would you be? Check between six there about? From six there about? No? Hmm? Yeah, six, eh? 32. Is it six? From found it, eh? So we're gonna say quite a number of things very quickly, then we can call it a day. Mark, um, start me from thirty. Start me from thirty. Can you see the screen? Now, the context, he had sent out the 70 by 2. They went, they came back, and they were like, wow, 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 wow. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Then told them, ah, don't rejoice in that. You know that demons listened to you and all that, but instead rejoice at your names and the book of life. Okay? Then he sends out the apostles. The apostles back, verse 30. The apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and there no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And people saw them departing, and many knew, knew him, and ran a foot thither out of all the cities, and outwent them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, so much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd and he began to teach and he began to teach them many things and when the day was now far spent the day was now far spent okay so they were not making it up it was getting late the day was now far spent his disciples came unto him and said okay so his teaching 
his teaching, right? Jesus is? Are you getting? And he's teaching many things. And these people are hungry. He took his disciples and they crossed the lake. These guys ran round it and outran them. They are hungry. So he's teaching. And he's teaching them the truth. He's help setting them free. In the midst of this wonderful experience that is going on here of hungry people receiving the word, it occurs to someone and he says, This is a desert place. And like Jesus did know, and now the time is far past. This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Logic, soul. And he says, send them away that they may go into the country. Solution. Okay? I, I told you, last of the flesh, last of the eyes, pride of life can easily be defined. What, what, what is it? What, what needs to be done? How can we do it? And can I do it? So what needs to be done here? Solution. We like people who are thinking on their feet. Isn't it? They are thinking on their feet. <laughs> These ones are thinking on their feet. Hmm? This is a desert place now. The time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread. For they have nothing to eat. Perfect sense. Logic. And he answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. Insult. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred pennyworth of bread and give them to eat? He said unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go ye and see. Go and see. And when they knew, they said five and two fishes. I'm sure they were saying it to, to show him, You see, we were right. There's just five. They didn't come and say, Come on. Do you think these guys walked? Amongst the entire 5,000 men, not counting women and children, and ask them, do you have any food? Do you have any food? Do you have any food? Kwanzaa women, Nandibaga, Kose, Apana. They were bringing in a solution to demonstrate to him that it's impossible. Mwambie nizi za mtoto ndiyo ziko hapa peke yake. Like the entire crowd, nobody had something. It didn't matter, but Jesus wants to teach them something. He said... Five loaves and two fishes. He commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when they had taken the five loaves, when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he took up, he, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full. They took up 12 baskets full of fragment and of the fishes. And they that did eat the loaves were about 5,000 men. Amazing. Hello? Amazing. Hello? 5,000 men. Uh, the other uh, uh, gospels will tell you not counting women and children. He's clear. Didn't he say 5,000 men? And the lunch came from a little? So the children were there. This is 5,000 men, not counting women and children, were fed using five loaves, little boy's lunch, and two fishes. And after feeding them, they couldn't finish it. Twelve baskets of fragments were collected. 
what is he trying to do to these guys? What is he trying to tell these guys? What is he trying to show them? Hello? This was not Jesus Rambo trying to show how he can do things with bread. No, he's trying to teach them something. The next verse, that's 45, and straight away, he constrains, straight away, so we're in the same context. We've not left, isn't it? Straight away, he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go to the other side before, uh, to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida while he sent away the people. We have not left the context. And then home. So it's the same context. We've not changed, isn't it? And what does he do? Get into the boat, go to the other side. And when he had sent them away, I'm in verse 46. Are you there? And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, when even or evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea and he alone on the land. And he saw them. How is he seeing them? And he saw them toiling. How is he seeing them? It's night, they are gone. And he can see them toiling. He's seeing them. He's seeing them toiling. Toiling in rowing. For the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, so it's new siku. No, he can see them. But he's not seeing them with his natural eyes. And on the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them walking upon the sea and would have passed them. Comes walking and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit. Why? Because they can't see him correctly. They supposed it has been a spirit. And what did they do? They cried out. For they all saw him. They all saw him. But how did they see him? This is the man they've been spending time with. It, with. This is their master. This is their rabbi. They are all seeing him, but they're seeing a ghost. Caspar. They supposed there had been a spirit. They cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and said, be of good cheer. It is I. He literally has to reintroduce himself. Be of good cheer. It is I. It is I. Understand. This is why he would ask them, who do men say I am? Who do you say I am? Can you see? It is I. And then he goes on and he went up and... He went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased. And they were so amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered. Listen, look at that next verse. And wondered. Why did they wonder? For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. So we're in the same lesson. From the loaves to the walking on water. He knows why he's walking on water. Because he's trying to get them see, like pop those spiritual eyes open and shut those solical eyes. See. They can't see. See. Like literally, through your hands, I have fed 5,000. 
with fragments, with little boy's lunch. Can you see it? Now, look at how the, 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 the author connects them. The reason they were seeing a ghost and crying is because they did not consider the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Like the miracle happened, but they still, I tell you, they didn't believe. I'm just looking and thinking, Arafa may pretend that you are Mekula. And when they had passed over, they came into the land of Genesaret and drew to the shore. And when they were come out of the ship, straight away they knew him. And reigned together the whole region round about, blah, 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 blah. Now, finalize. Is it, uh, this is six? I think it's eight. He repeats, he repeats the miracle. Why is he feeding the 4,000? Why is he feeding the 4,000 with seven loaves? Why? They never saw it. They have not seen it. Their eyes have not opened. And he knows, until I get these ones to see correctly, there's no assignment I'm leaving in their hands. Is it the eighth chapter? In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus, look at, look at, look at the, the progression of the events here, unlike the other one. Jesus called the disciples unto him and said unto them, what did he say? I have compassion on them. I want to put you in order. I have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. Next phrase. And if I send them away, let me cancel all your logic because you're going to tell me to send them. If I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way. For divers of them came from far. Next. And his disciples answered, from whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? He sets them up because he wants them to see. What does he say next? And he asked them, how many loaves have you? Keep going, Brian. And, and he asked them, how many loaves have you? They said, seven. And then? And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground, and he took same thing. Same thing, right? Sit down on the ground. He took the seven loaves, gave thanks, break, gave to his disciples, set before them, and they did set before them, before the people. Next thing, Brian. And they, they had a few small fishes, and he blessed and commanded them, set also before them. Uh -huh. So they did it and were filled. And they took up of the broken meat that was left, seven baskets. Next. And they that had eaten were about 4,000. And he sent them away. And straight away, he entered into a ship with his disciples. Same things. Ship with his disciples and came to the parts of Dalmanutha. All right? I think now we're going to Pharisees. Leave the Pharisees alone. Headquarter of logic. <laughs> so what is he doing? He wants their eyes to open. Right? He wants their eyes to open. He literally repeats it. We are told the reason they could not see him correctly and they assumed he was a ghost is because they had not considered the miracle of bread and their hearts were hardened. Their hearts were hardened. Their hearts were hardened. Listen. In repeating the miracle and in walking on water, Jesus wanted them to see that there is another economy with which you can live. And it's different from this economy. And if you can appreciate it, 
then you can come to a place of experiencing life from a higher order. But they were not seeing it, so he repeated. Can you see it? And I'll say it again. For as long as your eyes, the soul has the lead, you will never see it. Never. You will never see it. For as long as the soul has the lead, you will never see it. Because the soul will defy, using logic, why that is not possible. And for as long as you live by the lead of the soul, you're in the enemy's path. Easy picking. Easy picking. Because the system of the world is designed to appeal to the logic of the soul. What needs to be done? How can we do it? Can I do it? Yeah. When you do it, pride of life. <laughs> How can it be done? Last of the eyes. What needs to be done? Last of the flesh. Because always, what needs to be done, according to the soul's world, is provide and protect. The soul will self-provision, self-protection. Always. That's what the soul is angling for. Always. That's what the soul will be pushing for. So listen, you can have two people doing business, but their origin is very different. They can even be doing the same business. Same business. But they are springing from very different platforms. The end result will show you. But even now, those, the person, you, no, you don't lie to yourself, you can tell. I can stand here, I'm preaching from a different origin. Paul said it. Paul said, there are people who are preaching because they're envious of me. There are some who are preaching because they're in competition with me. He said, nonetheless, Christ is preached, but I tell you, in the end, their work will be tested by fire. <laughs> so I want you to know, this is how the enemy works. And his intention is to trap you. Because if he can trap you, you will have the days of your life. Like a soap opera, <laughs> birth to death without ever making any meaningful impact. I want to stop there. I want to stop there. Allow me to pray, and then I can hand over the mic. So, Father, we call you Father because you birthed us brought us into existence for a reason. There's meaning attached to our lives. And yes, indeed, in the course of the war, there's intended, or the intention of the enemy is to rob us of our destiny and rob us of our place. And rub our nose on the ground and openly proclaim that we are useless. But you knew even as you created us, made measurements to pay the price to redeem us, bring us to yourself, that through you we may be the express glory of God, expression of the glory of God on the earth. We may be indeed image and likeness, that through us you may live, move, and express yourself freely. So we're praying here in Jesus' name, by the authority that is Christ's and has been delegated to us. Lord, we say it's time to be free. It's time to be free. It's time to be free. We're proclaiming what the enemy does not want hard. And we're saying it shall be established in the name of Jesus. It's time to be free. It's time for people, our people, to arise on the earth. 
who live by the leading of the Spirit of God. It's time, Lord. It's time. I'm announcing it in this place. And I'm saying in the name of Jesus that this too becomes a center from which such people arise. In the name of Jesus Christ, a people arise and walk the earth who live by an economy, the economy of heaven. A people arise and walk on the earth who live by the logic of God. People arise and walk on the earth who live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so I pray for every listener. And I pray grace, grace, grace upon you. Grace upon you. That as you begin to contend for that space of freedom, and should the enemy intensify his fight against you, may the grace of God carry you through. And may you come to a place of true freedom in him, in the name of Jesus. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you. Amen.